Welcome to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast, where we are empowering an army of artists on the leading edge. My name is Holly Shaw, best-selling author of The Creative Formula, hypnotherapist, and creativity coach. On this weekly show, we're going to be helping you to excel at your craft and find your edge, because it is my belief that your creative mind, open to its own genius, has the power to change the world. You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab. So when you critique someone's art, you can be like stomping on their soul. That's not small, right? Yeah. So as an artist, I think you have to think about what do what is my ultimate goal? You know, I do think some of the worst experiences people have are, you know, getting right off stage and people being like, oh, well, you did it better last time or whatever awful (laughs) things people say to each other. (laughs) It's happening to you without your consent. This podcast isn't just tips and tricks. It's not just interviews with great artists. It's about examining the secrets of crafting and creating performing, being highly visible so that you can draw your fans and audience members closer. I'm your host, Holly Shaw, best-selling author, hypnotherapist, and creativity coach. And welcome to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast, where you'll discover the inspiration and the expertise to help you find your edge and explore greatness. You are listening to episode 26 Critical feedback and guarding your creative fire. Last night I was at a performance and I received some feedback, critical feedback that I really wasn't asking for, wasn't looking for, did not, was not really open to receiving at that moment in time. And I was sitting next to someone I knew. And they said, how's the podcast going? Oh, you know, it's going great. I'm having a lot of fun making it. I love it. And then they launched into a 15-minute monologue about the podcast they were going to create. Mind you, they haven't started yet. But that they are wanting to create that is kind of like mine, but way different. And it's better in these ways and this ways. And I have this person doing this for me. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do all these things. And it was basically like how they were going to do it different than mine in a way, you know, and make it better. And I was like gobsmacked, you know, that I was sitting through this. At some point, I sort of got myself politely out of out of having to listen to it. And, you know, here's the thing is like, I'm all for anyone wanting to do a creative endeavor, a podcast that's just like mine, but a little different. Great. Go for it. I'm so happy for you. But I wasn't ready for, um, you know, that kind of critical feedback that I wasn't really looking for. And it was done in this sort of underhanded, I'm going to tell you about this. And, you know, it's, it was like such an underhanded way of giving me feedback that I wasn't looking for. So I feel like a lot of us are victims of this. As artists, we need to be critiqued, right? We need to have an outside lens once in a while telling us what we've accomplished, what we've managed to communicate, and also, you know, those blind spots that we need to fill in or shore up. So it's helpful 
when it's good. But I feel like most of us are walking around with a little bit of PTSD from having feedback that we didn't want or didn't ask for or was given to us in a way that was unhelpful or shut us down at some point. And so there's a lot to learn in this area, and I'm still learning, and I find it my duty and my job to learn as much as I can on this topic, seeing as how I give a lot of feedback, and I'm still learning how to receive it, because nobody likes to be told things that they don't really want to hear about their work, (laughs) you know, but it's helpful, nevertheless. So over the years, I have learned and am still learning how to take in those pieces where I can improve and leave behind the shit that isn't mine so that I can keep my heart safe, you know, keep my creative fire burning. I don't let anybody pour cold water over the creative fire in my heart anymore. And this was the conversation that I had with my guest today, who is a brilliant woman, and she's very brilliant at giving feedback, at receiving feedback. She's studied on this topic, and um, and she's just a super entertaining person to talk to, Jade Rabin. She's a screenwriter. Her film credits include The Marriott's Two Bellmen, Over the Moon, Dust, and as a writer, director of live theater, her credits include Low Hanging Fruit and America's Next New Anchor, Wake Shop, Die Love America, The S Beast Factor, and 14 Times in Two Weeks, um, Blind Spot, The Importance of Being Sexual or Not, I Dream Reality and Operation Cool and More. Um, She's the author of Superhero Academy Activity Book. And her latest creation, Two Bellmen, which was co-written with Malachi Cabrera, released in 2015, has garnered over 5 million hits on YouTube, and it's still climbing. I'm good. I think you're just going to love her and her insights. Uh, screenwriter Jade Rabin. I mean, I think every artist needs that. We need feedback about our work, but we're never clear about how to get it, how to ask for it. I feel like um, sometimes I'm afraid to ask for it because if someone's not skilled at giving it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they can tell me something that would shut me down. Absolutely. And so what, what you have a lot of experience with that. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Well, I always like to start with critique with the idea of like, what's the worst case scenario? And the worst case scenario is very severe. It's actually like soul crushing devastation and that leads to someone stopping putting themselves out there. I mean, that is not a small thing. And I think it's also really important to remember where we create from, Mm -hmm. right? That we're, we're creating about things and whether you're dancing, if you're in that medium or you're writing... You're sharing yourself and you're sharing your what you care about and what you're passionate about, even if that's just the dream that must be dreamt, which is how I think of the visual arts and dance and music, things that are needed and aren't necessarily about words or thoughts in the same way, mm-hmm. even if they're just images or sounds, you know, but they're they're from the soul, basically. Mm-hmm. So when you critique someone's art, 
you can be like stomping on their soul. That's not small, right? Yeah. So as an artist, I think you have to think about what do what is my ultimate goal? Hmm. Is my ultimate goal to be seen? Mm-hmm. Is my ultimate goal to be understood? Mm. Is my ultimate goal to communicate? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like so, and then am I? Do I want? Do I consider myself a professional artist? And if so, what will help me elevate my art and my art form, my technique, etc.? Mm-hmm. So, in the writing world, as a screenwriter and as a playwright, writing is communicating. So you need to know if you're communicating and if it's getting across. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. And you're very close to the work, and especially in longer works of fiction, you know everyone and all of their feelings and what they're thinking. Yeah. And a lot of times you think things are on the page that are not actually there. Mm. Because you're... They're in you. Yeah, they're in you. And so you, yeah. put, you add them when you're reading yeah. back your work. Yeah. Right? Or, or when other folks are like, oh, I didn't get that, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. When you get, at least in the writing world, when you get to a pretty professional level, people do develop a thick skin, and mm-hmm. that, there's always this process. And it's like, I think this almost works interpersonally to some degree, where if you love and accept yourself and you approve of yourself, no matter what anyone says, you still you know, are not going to be crushed, right? Whereas yeah. I think if you have a judgment about yourself or a judgment about your work, it really is hard to hear it. Yeah. Um, especially, I think, especially if you don't know how to overcome it, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for myself, fundamentally, I'm right-brained as a writer and a creator where things come to me in character and uh, kinesthetic feeling and dialogue. And then as a screenwriter, you have to work really hard at story structure, which is more left-brained. Yeah. Um, so for me, I often will get structure notes and it's hard to hear because it's like, darn it, I'm working on that, and I thought I'd gotten better. But I'm right. just, I notice over the years I've gotten so much better offering that to other folks than I can do for myself, which I think ultimately is the thing that happens for all of us, which is you're just too close to your work. Yeah. You're just too close to see it. Yeah. And it is harder to do it for yourself. And yeah. that's the piece of community where we actually do need each other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah we do. I think what's interesting is sometimes I'll be working on a piece and – you know, I can go back through and like try to edit it and mm-hmm. and do my very best to make sure it, it works. And then I'll get this feedback like that didn't make any sense. Or yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. what what did you mean by this? Yeah. And people yeah. take it the wrong way, just like we were talking about earlier, like yeah. on social media, how people yeah. take things the wrong way. Um, and so it's really helpful for me, as hard as it is to hear, mm-hmm. to get that kind of mm-hmm. um, sounding board and just try not to take it personally. It's like... Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you can do everything from, like, the basic technique of the Oreo. I liked this, and, you know, this... I I didn't get that. I mean, there's ways to say things, right? But I feel a little West Coast talk, even saying that, right? Whereas I feel like... Ultimately, you have to understand as an artist receiving critique that everyone has an opinion. And that kind of gets into something we were also going to talk about, which is when are things done? Yeah. Which is... You know, I feel like over the years I've come to the understanding that it's done when I like it. Mm. It's done when I like it and when I am just done. <laughs> like, I'm like, I can't look at that anymore. <laughs> and you post on things, right, where I'll feel done and then like three weeks will come by and I'll be like, okay, I can actually do one more pass as long as it's just a polished pass. I can't do a structural rewrite. I like all the characters, you know, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Like, yeah. you know, there's pieces with that. And I think, you know... As far as another piece, because I also work in the dance world as a choreographer and from time to time and assisting dancers and 
um, in terms of their expression in their work. And I think um, it's really tricky. I think it's actually to some degree gotten easier over the years in the writing world for people to give each other critique. And it's a little Mm -hmm. trickier in the dance world. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things I always say when I'm teaching the process of critique is to make sure to notice for you, the person giving the critique, what your intention is and where it's coming from. Mm. So one of the worst things that can happen to you, and I think this happens in art school all the time, Mm -hmm. is that someone is trying to make their art through you. Mm. So they're basically taking their aesthetic and they're trying to like put it on your work and shift your work to their aesthetic, Mm -hmm. which that doesn't serve the art artistic community as a whole and certainly doesn't serve the artist. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think why you end up with things like this popped or I didn't necessarily understand this. It doesn't, you don't have to make me understand it. Or I noticed my eye went to this place when you were performing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want my eye going there, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm, Or I have mm -hmm. a question about, I have an opinion about blank. Would you like to hear it? You know, I do think some of the worst experiences people have are, you know, getting right off stage and people being like, oh, well, you did it better last time or whatever awful (laughs) things people say to each other. Um, And that feels very much kind of like the cyberbullying reality of it's happening to you without your consent, right? As far as receiving negative feedback about your work, which I don't think is why anyone does it. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Yeah, I mean, you didn't, yeah, you, the person who came off the stage didn't ask for it. Exactly. It just like, bump, it just slapped him in the face kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that is people do that more unconsciously. Yes. Than, con- you know, they're not thinking about hurting you. They're just yeah. maybe even trying to be helpful. Yeah. Know, on some yeah. level, they're just not yeah. understanding that that's not helpful at all. And yeah. the person didn't really ask for that, you know, feedback. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you said a lot of things in there. Like, I think when I'm coaching people, that's always in my mind, like, keeping my aesthetic out of it, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. if I'm working with artists, it's really um, tempting to be like, oh, you need to be more emotional there. Or, like, I'm mm-hmm. not feel, you know, and then yeah. I'm like, well, maybe this is not that, you know, it's yeah. not that way. And so I find myself asking questions more than... You know, like, what did you intend there? What would you like me to feel? What would, what would, and then I can tell them if that got across. Well, what that, that brings up another interesting point, which is, so, you know, I know Ira Glass has that famous quote about, you know, where your work is in the beginning and then how you may not like it in the early stages, but that doesn't mean that your aesthetic or your taste isn't good. Oh, right. So one of the worst things that can happen to you is say you like set out on this little road and you're walking along and you're trying to get to the top of the mountain, but somebody's like, no, 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 go to the stream. And you go to the stream because they told you to, or they think, you know, and then you're like, but this isn't, yeah, this is cool, but I'm trying to get to the top of the mountain (laughs) and you've never even been there. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's the the question of like, are you following a star that only you can see like in the creative process? Right. And it's painful to grow Mm -hmm. as an artist because often you are not there. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you won't get there. And that's where it's like the grit, the grit in terms of personality Mm -hmm. and in terms of receiving critique and Mm -hmm. taking it and continuing to do the work and sculpt and sculpt and sculpt. Yeah. Gets you there. Yeah. It's like the lonely road of the art. It's, it's such a lonely path at times because yeah. there's this incubation period where no one else can see what you see. And you're like, no, no, this is possible. Yeah. And they're just like, oh. Well, and if you're They not, just don't get it. They just can't yeah, they, see it Exactly. Yet. They don't get it. Or maybe, you know, like I always say, there's an audience for everyone. And you know what I mean? So part of it sometimes maybe is like you haven't found your audience too. You know, yeah. that happens as well. And yeah. 
maybe you just haven't found your audience. That's that's a good thing to keep in mind, right? Lots of good stuff. So we'll be hearing more from Jade in just a moment about how she handles criticism herself personally and about finding the note within the note and more on uh, critical feedback, how to give it, how to receive it. Uh, But first, I just wanted to do a couple of quick announcements. Um, For those of you that are Los Angeles-based, I'm going to be giving a workshop, Audition Like a Pro, How to Turn Stage Fright into Magnetism. That'll be August 8th at the SAG-AFTRA headquarters in L.A. Um, So Check it out. Sign up for it. I would love to see uh, some of my familiar faces, some of the people that were there last year. There's going to be, of course, always new findings, new discoveries, new things I'm learning as I work with people, as I um, study more and do more research in this area. And um, so it's going to be really fun. A lot of fun um, things in that workshop on August 8th in LA. And also I'll be doing um, hopefully a couple other events trying to set those up right now. So if you're not on my email list, but you're in LA and you want to connect, I suggest connecting with me somewhere. I'm all over social media. Connect with me there um, at Holly Shaw Create on Twitter, at Holly Shaw Sprightly on Instagram. Uh, join the Performers and Creators Lab community group on Facebook. Or you can, um, you know, sign up. There's a, a wonderful quiz, the Creative DNA quiz. If you haven't taken it yet, you have to. You have to take that quiz and find out which type you are, the visionary, the strategist, or the explorer. Um, and the great thing about that is you get email tips about your type and your strengths and your weaknesses and what you can do to shore up your weaknesses and find people to work with to actually get your work out into the world. So I suggest going to my website, performersandcreatorslab.com and checking out that creative DNA quiz. Take it. Just do it. And I also wanted to give a shout out to all my listeners it looks like Ireland's still holding strong. I've got people in Ireland that listen to this show all over the United States, of course. Egypt, Sweden, Mexico, Spain, Colombia. What other countries do we have here? France, Norway, Canada, Egypt. That's, that's interesting to me. I did spend a little bit of time in Cairo. I lived there for a couple months. Had a... Uh, very interesting stint as a a belly dancer at a three-star hotel that was strange adventurous and exciting and a story I will have to save for another time that was many years ago by the way um yeah so thank you for listening I love it um I would love to know what you're doing I would love to know what you're creating or what you're wanting to create or um where you fit in where how this how this podcast fits into your life and what it does for you. So if you're listening every week um, or at least, you know, every once in a while and you love the show, you keep coming back to it. Why don't you write me a review, write a review. All you have to do is rate it, write a review and subscribe would be great too on iTunes. Let me know what you like about the performers and creators lab podcast. It, you know, it keeps me going. 
it keeps me it keeps me inspiring inspired and inspiring to you to know what it is that I'm I'm doing for you so I'd love to hear about it all right thanks for listening and now back more of Jade Raven screenwriter extraordinaire playwright choreographer extraordinaire want to say this for myself and for other artists I've noticed I have a very normal and predictable response to feedback and notes and critique where I do get really bummed out at first where like I have two to three days where I'm like really disappointed that the piece isn't better and angry and I'll even be like I'm never gonna get there I'm never gonna get better you know I I go there that's just a part of it And then uprises this sensation of like, gosh, darn it, I am going to do this. Like, I will do this and I can do this and I won't be overcome. And then around that point, I start getting ideas for how to solve it. So I actually, I find if I try to go too quickly when they get the feedback or the notes of what's not working to solving it, I've skipped over something Mm. and it doesn't actually serve the work that those first initial every now and then you just you hear a note and you've got an answer well that's not depressing the notes that are depressing and upsetting are the ones that you don't know how to solve Mm. often they're the exact notes and feedback that you have been yourself aware of and been trying to fix sometimes for years depending on a piece in a larger work so then to hear, yep, you didn't fix it. It's still a problem. It yeah. is upsetting and it's going to be upsetting. Yeah. You know, so sometimes. And then the person who delivers it is almost like proud that they figured it out. Do <laughs> well, you ever, you know what I mean? Not. There's, I mean, hopefully there's this sort of sense of like, well, I saw this, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it doesn't take a genius. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, so just noting like. And the people who know me best in my life know, like, okay, she's just got a bunch of notes. She's going to be upset for a few days. You know, and it's okay. And then, you know, really by that third or fourth day, what, I, what I've found I'll do, a practice I have, is I will actually go and type up all the notes I've received, whether it's from a group of folks in a writing group or it's a single person. And I'll try not to do that till day two, three, or maybe even a week later. Mm-hmm. When I have a little more distance, I'll type it all up. And then in that, then I'll just journal about ideas and responses to the notes. Mm-hmm. Because you do have to sort out what is their aesthetic or what yeah. you just don't like. Yeah, Like, you know, you don't have to take every note. What they say in the industry is that there's a, they talk about this thing called the note inside the note. So they'll say, for example, you know, Samantha as a character is running really flat to me. She feels kind of plain, like I can't place her. So you might know that she's innocent. So innocent, Mm -hmm. instead of innocence coming across, it's like something is being lost, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of taking the note, like they could be say, they could even say like, why don't you make her kind of emo or goth or like, you know, give her black lipstick. And you're like, no, you know, that is not this character. That's not the point, Yeah, you know, but I do need to figure out how to show her innocence. And what's lovely about the screenwriting world is that it can be something embodied. It doesn't have to be that she says something that sounds innocent. It could be as simple as, you know, she's never learned before. Like she doesn't know the difference between these two types of, you know, carburetors. I don't know. That's like a silly example or yeah. um, hasn't heard of the dark web. 
there you go. That's a better one. You know, yeah. so, and that shows innocence, but doesn't necessarily show stupidity, because why would you have heard of that, depending on if you grew up in a farm family or what have you, like whatever right. her right. character background is, you know? Right. So I think, you know, figuring out what that note is inside the note is an important piece. Yeah. Sort of yeah. taking what you want and leaving what's not yours. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and then, that takes a little bit of getting over the butt hurt part of it. Exactly. And then the most helpful notes are from folks who can acknowledge that say things like, this is not my genre. Hmm. So, you know, I don't, you know what I mean? Like some of the teen satire I've been working on called Death by Homework, it's a satire on academic elitism. It's hilarious. It's funny. It's totally an awesome high school movie, which gets into elitism and nepotism, which is yeah. something every teenager can relate to in the realm of yeah. today, today's politics and today's Hollywood. But you also are going to know that that's a particular audience. If you don't like teen movies and you don't like satire, you're not going to like that. Yeah. So don't get notes on your piece from that person. If they don't like flamenco, just don't ask them. Right? Holly? Right. It's going to be like, it was really rough. Like, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really, it's too angry. Yeah. Why are women always angry? <laughs> If you're interested in learning more about this topic of feedback, critical feedback, how to give it, how to get it, uh, there's a couple resources you should really look into. Two methods um, that I've found extremely valuable and um, that I think are really good methods for this. So one of them is Daria Halperin's communication feedback model. This was something I learned when I was at the Tamalpa Institute. She also talks about it in her book, um, The Expressive Body in Life, Art, and Therapy. And basically, it's a, a modality using the words, I see, I feel, I imagine, where you give critical feedback um, in a way where you're really just uh, owning what it is that it's yours. And so the feedback comes to the person um, in a way that it's, you know, it could possibly have nothing to do with them. It's owning the parts of it that have to do with the person who's witnessing. Another great method is um, Liz Lerman has a method called critical response process, and you can find about, out about this on the web. This process involves the witness sharing what was striking or meaningful, the art, artist having the opportunity to lead the critical response by asking questions, the responder or the audience member being able to ask neutral questions, and then only if the artist gives permission um, does the viewer give their opinion. So I find that to be a really great method for critical feedback as well. So yeah, so if you're interested in this topic, I would suggest checking out those two, Daria Halperin and uh, Liz Lerman two great resources to continue this work more deeply. In the meantime, oh, there was so much great conversation that I had with Jade Rabin that I wanted to share with you, but I felt like the most valuable piece was the conversation that we had about creative suffering because, um, you know, getting feedback from other people can be hard, but I think sometimes what's even harder is the feedback in our own head and the critical voices inside of us 
can sometimes beat anything that we would ever get from the outside in terms of cruelty. The suffering piece and how to get through it as far as the creative process. All right. You Talk know. about suffering. <laughs> when have you suffered? <laughs> oh, I think, I mean, I think it's many writers, but um, I notice it's really hard for me to sit down, like, for hours on end. And that, you know, I think there are writers where that's not so hard, but for me as a mover and as a dancer who also yeah. writes and as a kinesthetic person, it's kind of painful. I'm so glad you said that because yeah. I'm struggling that. I, this is like one more thing I'm doing where I sit here. Yeah. It hurts. It's And my body is like, ah! Right? And there's like, and this kind of like feeling like, you know, it's like, oh, you gotta go somewhere. You know, like, I gotta get up and I gotta get up and do it again. You know, like I it know. just, that, you know, that feeling, um... And on the best days, you know, I can kind of shift it into my fingers, you know. And it's mm. a funny thing because I actually think I think better through my fingers. Mm-hmm. I know I write more beautifully than I speak. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is one of the things that can get me back to it. I think mm. it actually can be funnier on the page, too. I'm so mm. funny. I'm so funny. I think you're, like, totally funny <laughs> as you are right now. You're really funny. I think you speak really well. So that, you know. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, we should read my writing. No. I know, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, Why have some? (laughs) Yeah. So as far as like this question of like how to get yourself into the chair, like in, you know, forgive my language, but in writing, we call it ass in chair time. There Mm -hmm. is no substitute. So for me, I've had to learn a couple things. One, um, I'm a performer of a writer, so I will do it so much more and with a lot more devotion. If there is a human being whose opinion I respect or I would like to impress on the other end. Mm. So for me, I do really well with deadlines of any kind Mm -hmm. and specifically deadlines where I might have a face-to-face interaction with someone who's read it. Mm. That, that, woo, (laughs) that gives me some zing. So for years I spent, you know, being so upset with myself for not being disciplined. Like, why can't you just go sit there and do it anyways? And you say you're a writer, you know, and just being furious with myself, absolutely furious with myself. And so feeling bad about who I was and not being who I wanted to be. Mm. And so slowly, slowly, I've realized I need writing groups. I need writing classes and I need deadlines. And sometimes those deadlines have come from actual writing jobs, and sometimes they come from competitions or applications I'd like to get in, mm-hmm. um, writing groups, etc. So when I have them, I write. If I have three writing groups a week where I have to come up with 10 pages for each, I write 30 pages that week, and it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have any writing groups, unless I'm unless I am on some other kind of long-term deadline, mm-hmm. it's rough. And the mm-hmm. other piece I've noticed, and I sometimes wonder if I should accuse myself of having ADHD, but adrenaline really helps. Like, the closer we get to the deadline, like, <laughs> the more I, like, you know, like, the more juice occurs yeah. for me. And I sure. don't, I've just learned that's how I am, and I've decided it doesn't make me wrong or bad or less of an artist. Oh, you that know? feels good. Yeah, and I think I wish that for others. And I personally, in terms of my like heart mission in this world, I really want kinesthetic people to make art and to make more art. Mm. I feel like we are shifting away as a culture to some degree, at least in modern American culture, from the wis- from the body and from the yes. needs of the body and the wisdom of the body. Oh, true. And I think, you know, um, in the words of Annie Lamont, my mind is a like a bad neighborhood. I try not to go there alone. I feel like <laughs> I feel like our minds are scarier places where worse things happen. I think in mm. our bodies, like 
often if you can slow down enough to be in your body and be in the moment, like, A, I think that's where happiness is. And B, I think the art that comes from that place is more likely to transform and create a culture that I want to live in Mm. and to speak to people in a way that's deeply moving as Mm. opposed to, like, that was cool. That was neat. Yeah, see, now I feel like I'm getting, we're getting down into what your genius really is, Jade, what you really are bringing here. (laughs) Because you said a couple things, you've unlocked your, you've unlocked what motivates you. Mm -hmm. You're a performer. Yeah. That motivates you. So that just needs to be an element. And, you know, I think that's a beautiful, everybody's got to figure out what is that motivator for them. Yeah. And then you've also um, unlocked that, you know, for you, like, part of the experience is the body and mm-hmm. that, you know, the wisdom comes from the body and art is so much better and 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 the place is so much happier and we're so yeah. much more sane when we're yeah. in our bodies as well, yeah. right? Because yeah. I think we have this this view of the mind, body, and spirit. It kind of like, where is it? Is it floating around over yeah. my head, really? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all sort of in, inter, inter, intertwined, and I think science is finally proving yeah. that yeah, to yeah, us, yeah. where we kind of, us dancers, knew that yeah. to begin with. So talk more about how you integrate your movement into your writing and your writing into your movement, and do they influence each other? Oh, that's, a, that's quite a question. Um, I think, you know, I definitely have an easier time. It's funny, actually, that you're asking me this question, because when I think about two of the pieces I finished this part of the year, one jailbait, all three of those girls are, they throw knives. Like, so they're physically, they're using their bodies, and there's a lot of kind of training that occurs um, in that physical realm. So there's a lot of movement and embodied, like, one of them is teaching another how to use your body, how to plant your feet, how to, like, breathe out when you throw and not Mm. hold your breath and if you get afraid. You know, so it's like this body wisdom is a piece of what is being transmitted from one character to another that empowers her. Right? Love it. So there's that. And then in the other piece that I was mentioning 14 times in two weeks, that piece is about being more embodied, right? And uh, this kind of, so the, all that happens, that, that's very silly and funny, but yes, there's you mean, a lot. You're talking about the, the sex by prescription. Sex yes, by it's a clinical trial about medical sex, which is the same thing as medical marijuana. It's just, you know, it is what it is, but it's packaged and cleaned up and standardized. Fascinating. I'm like, what does that look like? I mean, I think that's, for many of us, there's 103 protocols. In case you're wondering, wow. <laughs> Did you have to figure out those protocols? Yes, it you- was so funny and so ridiculous. And I got to call a bunch of my friends and be like, okay, protocol 10 is definitely talking dirty, and protocol one is definitely just getting naked and cuddling. Protocol 33, I think, is butterfly kisses. What's protocol 66? Like, I just called up. I mean, it was the most fun, fun conversation ever. <laughs> which you know is this larger question of like, we live in community, and I don't know what I would do without the other artists in my life. And that's another piece of forgiving myself that I've learned to do, which Mm -hmm. is I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know everything. A, I can always research online, but especially I can call my friends and be like, what's the worst thing you can think of that could be in your locker as a 15-year-old boy? Like, who would put it and what would they put? Like, you know, like, and and just hear what they say. And often the thing that isn't right inspires me to think of the thing that is you know, like mm-hmm. going down the wrong path actually helps you figure out that that's the sure. wrong path, you know? Any movement at all sort of moves yeah. you in the direction, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think as far as like bringing the movement into the writing, um, I mean, I think to some degree it's really for me about feeling, again, feeling the bodies of the characters. Like I feel their body. Yeah. I feel where they're weighted. I feel if they're tight behind their knees or if they're wow. bracing. That's specific. Like, yeah, 
Yeah, it's very specific. And it's funny because in the screenwriting world, you're not supposed to to clearly type. You're not supposed to necessarily even assign race. Always you can. But it's lovely in the world of, you know, of casting for that to be open. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, you can say a behemoth of a man, but you don't necessarily have to specify race if it's not important to that role for whatever reason. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I try not to, like, get too particular about their faces, because mm-hmm. I want to be open in the casting process. Like, maybe yeah. Julianne Moore will do it, or maybe Kristen Wiig will do it. Yeah. Or maybe Melissa McCarthy will do that role, yeah, right. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So I'm interested, then, like, do you, since you feel your characters, mm-hmm. do you ever get up and move them? Do you ever do a, a screenplay and then mm-hmm. tempt it, the temptation to create a... Um, choreography or a piece yeah. around it, like yeah. I mean, it's funny. My pilot that did um, placed in several competitions that people just love, um, and that one I wrote really quickly. It was a play first with a bunch of dance in it, and that mm-hmm. one's called The Golden Cage, and it's set in the Ottoman Empire. And it's about um, Suleiman the Third's harem. 1727. Mm. Okay. And um, obviously there's a bunch of dance in that. But that came through the body first because it was acted. And then strangely, it was started as a play that I did with my good friend Jaseya Zaray. And then all of the characters changed and the story entirely changed. But the setting remained yeah. the same. And the dance pieces in it, like the section of the dance we did in the hammam, which is the baths, definitely made it clear to me that there had to be scenes that occurred within the hammam. And I had a different feeling. Mm-hmm. I also, I still am active in the theater. I'll be doing um, choreographing for a bunch of bunch of pieces um, in a play this summer. So that should be really fun. So I try to do that as well. And then I also yeah. find as a writer that if I've danced that morning or I've moved or run or mm-hmm. done something, it is easier to sit for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't feel as neglected. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel as oh. oppressed and neglected. Yeah. And then there are other days, interestingly, where I know it's an eight or a 12 hour day and I've got to get 15 to 25 pages out that day yeah. where I can't move. I have to use the juice. I have to use every bit of the discomfort, especially mm-hmm. in comedy, because it comes from anger and discomfort and rage. They say <laughs> that the mean, you know, the more angry you are, the funnier you are. Like yeah. sometimes like being mad that I'm sitting makes me funnier. You know, like in the lines, it's like, <laughs> it's all pointless anyway, you know. Yeah, they say like comedians all have a low level rage running through them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. To find out more about Jade and to see some of her work, you can visit her on the web at jaderabin.com. That's J-A-D-E, Jade Rabin, R-A-Y-B-I-N.com. And be sure to stay tuned to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. We have a really exciting series that's happening in between these episodes that you're listening to. It's called Women in Hollywood, Warriors from Within. And this is a series of captivating, bite-sized profiles of the luminous and courageous women making Hollywood great here and now. Make sure to look for those dropping every Sunday. Thank you so much for listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. This wouldn't be possible without my producers, Q4TA, and executive producer, Robert Cholino, and the Voice America Network. I also want to thank my creative think tank team, Melanie Myers, Erica Milligan, Dan Cantrell, Hannah Romanowski, and Tim Beal. And thank you for listening. You're the reason why I keep talking into the microphone every week, sharing these great stories of great people with lots of wisdom just for you, making great art in the world. My name is Holly Shaw.
topics and ideas for these episodes come directly from your posts and your comments in the Performers and Creators Lab community Facebook group. So be sure to find us and join us there. You can share what you're working on. You can meet some of the guests on the show and get support from me and the other members of the group. Show ideas also come from my amazing team of creative think tankers, Melanie Myers, Erica Milligan, and Hannah Romanowski. And a big thank you to my producers, Q4TA and executive producer, Robert Cholino and Voice America Network. And thank you for listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. And be sure to subscribe so that you can look forward to a new episode every week. My name is Holly Shaw. 